All right, guys. We're uh, we're gonna go live here, or we are going live. Uh, <clears throat> need to bring in Jermaine. Let's see. All right. So while you're getting yourself situated over there, uh, those of you, you see the shirt that I'm wearing here. This is a a Halfa Wildlife exclusive elk shirt it's whatever it takes it's the the uh, elk on the top of the uh chevy omni or uh the amc gremlin so um if you want one of those jump on how for wildlife and go to the merch yeah. and uh get one of those um yeah so now we're, we're gonna do a little we're gonna do a question and answer. Listen, guys, if you if you got questions uh, to ask, just type them in the comments. I will try to keep up with them. Um, I'm, I'm following along with the questions and the people jumping in and on, uh, jumping on and off. And then uh, say Pat's on here, and Pat Yo, said it, Pat yeah. said it's 70s in the mountains. So yeah, okay. So yeah. um, all right, man, you ready to go? I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll, man. All right, cool. All right, so we uh, obviously got Jermaine on with us, and uh, we're gonna do just a Q and A on elk hunting. So if you guys got questions, send them in, and uh, I'm gonna start off with the ones that I uh, that I got emailed or excuse me, DM'd in to me earlier. Uh, so let's talk about hunting in Colorado. Um, let's talk about logistics a little bit. Actually, let's start off with the tag situation. Uh, like, how does the draw system work there versus uh, your OTC tags? And then kind of give us an explanation on the on the point system. Because I know it's pretty different over there versus most, the way it works in most other states. It is states. pretty different. John, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm in my garage right now. Give me one second. Let me shut some of this, this door a little bit so I can get some of this light off. Sure. Hey, Come on. What's going on? Why are you going back country? My wife is sitting right at the door. Hold on. Come here, babe. You can go on this side. You want to go on this side? Yeah. I'm just going to get some of that stuff off on the stuff. All right. Boom. Now you ready? I'm good now. I'm good now. <laughs> We lost half. We lost half the half the people watching. No, just kidding. All right. Um, we just we just had a, a TRD second gen sent in if we had any tips for 16B New Mexico second archery elk, but uh, we'll we'll hit that question. I I just wanted to notate that we got it. We'll see. I don't really know anything about 16B personally, but um. All so, right. let, so let's start off with that first uh, question. I have to uh, back you. up with your question. Mm -hmm. Back up with your question, and and I'm I'm happy to answer it. Okay. So basically, um, how does the tag situation work in Colorado? I know you have a first choice and you have second choice, um, and I think if I if I remember correctly. Your first choice is the one that takes your points, but if you had a second choice, it doesn't take your points. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Right. So, and, so when you apply when you apply for a unit in Colorado on the primary draw, and you got to remember the primary draw, 
not the secondary draw, not the leftover list, the primary draw. If you apply for a unit and you have a few points and you you don't draw the tag, mm -hmm. then you gain a point. But if you draw the tag, then you lose your points. Right. That's now pretty much if common. Okay. You, if you on the primary draw only. And if you don't draw the tag, you gain a point and they give you four choices. And if you draw the second choice, it doesn't take your points. Okay. That's the difference. Right so there. You, gain, you keep your points and you gain that particular unit. Now, for most most people that are trying to draw a premier unit, mm -hmm. what they try to do is they put in for their point first and their second draw second. Now, if they don't draw the second draw or the third draw or the fourth draw, then you didn't draw at all. Right. And then you'll go into the secondary draw. Hopefully that answers your question, John, or the viewers questions. Yeah. Um, I think I got that, but so when the secondary draw comes up, that's just like leftover tags, right? Basically, leftover tags and and Turn you gotta remember in. that. Yeah, you gotta remember that in Colorado, they've changed the system about three years ago, maybe four years ago. Mm -hmm. I think it was three years ago. Don't quote me on it. Doesn't matter. Three, four years ago. Right. Potato, potato. But you put a credit card in the system, you apply, and you pay with that credit card or that debit card, and you applied for a premier unit. Let's right. just say something like 61. That's one of the premier units in Colorado. Okay. You applied for that unit, and you put the faulty credit card or a credit card that was getting ready to expire, and you didn't know. Right. They're going to send you out an email. Hey, your credit card declined or you did, you know, it was a faulty credit card, whatever the case may be. If you don't pay for that tag within that window mm -hmm. and that window is very short, it's, they give you, a, they give you a few days, but I think it's about a week and a half, two weeks. Don't quote me on that. It if you don't pay for that tag, it goes back in. It goes back into the second row. Okay, cool. The cool. second draw and that that leftover tag and those tags get added on. And one more. If someone drew a tag and they just couldn't make it mm -hmm. and they said, man, maybe finances are not right. Maybe uh, something came up, family vacation. Right. And they can't make it. And those tags get added on to the list. Turn four. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, moving on. Second question we got was, what is your favorite terrain to hunt and why? Um, can you shut that door? No, the other one. That's fine, too. Uh, favorite terrain. Um, honestly, you know, let, let's go back to, like, not just favorite terrain, because I don't care if it's steep or deep. I don't care if it's flat. Mm-hmm. My favorite terrain to, to, to hunt is it's tough. It's, it's tough because these units are going to have a lot of ATV, like ATV riders. Mm -hmm. But I like those units that have lots of 
roads that you can cover, even if if you need a Jeep to get into them. Okay. I like those roads because you can cover a lot of ground without covering it with your feet. Mm-hmm. And I'll go through and I'll rip some of these roads like me and you last year, uh, John. You seen you seen that unit that we were hunting. You can you can literally drive miles on those roads and be right back on the same road, but you just did loops in the mountains right. and turned around you were back on the same road. It allows you to cover those units without beating your feet up and beating your body up. I like those units in particular to other units, but don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I've hunted other units before and those units, those units that you you don't have a lot of uh, access to, those units, just put it right there. Just put it right there. Those units allow you... uh, Limited access, but but you have to beat it with your feet. And I like those units too, but it requires you to do it on foot. So my favorite terrain is, and favorite unit, I can't say favorite unit, favorite terrain because it does not matter whether it's up, down, does not matter. For me, it really doesn't matter. I, I, I'll go up, I'll go down. It doesn't matter how steep or deeper it is. It doesn't matter how flat it is. If it's elk, I'm there. I like the units that allow me a little bit more access. But when you talk about a little bit more access, most of the time those units that have a little bit more access mm-hmm. are limited draw units, especially here in Colorado. Um, the ones that don't have, they're, they're over the counter. You don't have a lot of those roads. Mm-hmm. Those are wilderness unit areas. Uh, I'll, give a, I'll give a unit in particular that I put it in the past, uh, and everybody's going to be like, don't tell them. <laughs> hey, man, you still got to find the elk. Uh, unit unit 70. Mm-hmm. Unit 70 was one of my favorite units in Colorado. And 70, not 70, but 71. 71. It's just, uh, if you look at the Coralite cans, those Wilkerson Peaks and those, uh, 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 shoot, it's like three, 313, I mean, 314ers out there. Mm-hmm. I love that unit, but it, didn't have a lot of access. You had like one road in and you had to hit that unit from different angles. That unit was unique in its own fashion, but you had to tear the ground up with your feet mm-hmm. versus the vehicle. And a lot of times on the units that I hunt that have a lot of access with roads, I'll, I'll, I'll tear those roads up at nighttime just locating those bulls so I can get a location where I want to start. Right. Um, of course, you know, I've said this before, you know, as you, as you get, you know, a little wiser and, and you get, you know, seasoned, um, you start picking those units that you can, you, you can draw on a yearly basis. And if those units are producing, you're going to do that and you'll find those spots, those sugar spots that elk are always going to corridor into. Mm-hmm. But if you find yourself in a unit that has a lot of access, road access, man, stay up at nighttime. Don't have too many beers. Boom, hit those little dirt roads, and then just bugle at nighttime, and you will find you will find your starting points on those those units. Now, with the units that don't have those, you're gonna have to beat your foot and, and tear it apart uh, mile by mile. I mean, you know, I give an example in Unit 71. I, I think I did. Um, 258 miles one year. Hmm. I think it was um, 
2019. Brutal. 2019. Like, my feet felt like they were about to fall off. Oh, I bet. I bet. We put some miles on yeah. last year, I remember. And you yeah, were, we you did, are, we you're already spot. at, like, I don't know, my, mile 70 or some shit like that by the time I got there. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I think but, I, top, I topped off at, like, two two thirty, two thirty or something like that. But I was humping and grinding. Yeah. You know how it is. We got a couple questions in. So Wyoming backcountry bow hunter uh, asked, are the elk in Colorado call shy due to a lot of hunting pressure? What's your feeling on that? Well, in in Colorado, in Colorado, this is this is this is my take on things. Um, I've run into uh, very few great elk callers. I've run into some callers that you might have to listen to a few times and be like, "Okay, I love your bugle," and then you get to your, your chuckles and you're like, "Hunter." But don't be fooled, and I've been fooled before. Don't be fooled. The the pressure from those hunters that are not seasoned will push those elk into different drainages. So, back to your question. A lot of times, the elk won't leave those areas that are butter. They love those areas. They love those areas for a reason. Water, food, and, and the ladies. Water, food, and the ladies. That's what it all boils down to in September. Water, food, ladies. Water, food. You follow those three, you're going to find them. Right. Water, food, ladies. And if you get pressure in one drainage and there's no pr- n- not a lot of pressure in another drainage, then maybe those bulls just bumped over. And it was it was a lot of times that, like last year, for example, that we were in a drainage that had not a lot of pressure, but it had pressure, mm-hmm. and it bumped those bulls over just over the ridge. Right. And I was wondering, scratching my head, I was like, "Man, it should be elk in here. They're not. We got one to talk in here, and he ain't trying to play the game." And then I bumped over, and then it's like Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to tell you right now that just bump over another ridge and you'll find those elk. You will. Whether it's left or right, north or west, whatever it might be, just bump over a ridge. You went in there one day, they're not in there. Mm -hmm. Just bump over that other ridge the next day and you'll be surprised. Especially if you know, hey, three three things that you got to, two things you got to keep in mind. You know how to call. You're in shape to walk that you know, those, you know, X amount of miles to get in there, then you're good. If nothing's in that area. I I think what he's more asking is if you're calling out an elk, are they more likely to pick up their cows and run away because they've heard calls before versus, um, you know, another state, I guess. Well, so, so, that that particular elk got called at. Mm-hmm. So this is what you're saying. That particular elk got called at by several different hunters. He stays in the same area, and you went in there, and you called at him. He answers. Mm-hmm. You move in close. He shuts up and moves away, and then he answers at a different uh, different distance. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? I think so. That's. I mean, I actually got a very similar question sent over to us to that we might as well go into that while we're here 
We so did. We th- did question. This question. question this question was um, a bull that consistently answers back at you every time. You know, every time you throw him something, he answers back. But then you get in close, and then he takes his cows away five, six hundred yards away. My th- this question is: What do you do? Like every time, I've had that situation where. He'll bugle at you, bugle at you when he's at a safe distance, and then you get in close, and he's not like he's not thinking it's a hunter. He's like, I don't want to fuck with this other elk, so I'm going to move my cows away. And he goes 500, 600 yards, whatever. Doesn't go a whole, you know. Isn't if it's if it's people, he's going to go into the next county, you know. But it's more like he just uh, doesn't I don't want to play the game. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that for that scenario. What I like, what I like to try to do, I, I run and see this all the time. What I like to try to do is, I'll call, he bugles, mm-hmm. and it's based based off of my my bugles. Usually, it's not my cow sounds; it's my bugles that he he answers to that that sound. I'll move in, and he'll move his cows. I'll get close, and the first thing I want to do is I want to bugle. We got to pull back. We got to add sounds. Ooh. I've learned this for many years. I bugled. He bugled. I'm like, yes, I'm cut the distance. Next thing I do, I cut the distance. Next thing I want to do is bugle. Nope. Wrong answer. I want to, I want some soft cow sounds, soft cow sounds. I want to relocate this bull, Mm -hmm. relocate this bull. With cow sounds. He answers. If he answers to those cow sounds, I shut the bugles up, especially if I know he has cows. If I don't know he has cows, that's a mystery. We we scratching our head. That's a mystery. We're always gonna we always gonna be scratching our head until we hear those cows. I'll move in a little closer. Do not change what you're doing. He answered to those cow sounds. He answered to your bugle from a distance, five, six hundred yards away. I'm, I cut the distance. As you start off with your sequence, you always start off with soft cow sounds, and then you progress up. You don't start up and then go down because mm-hmm. it's hard to go back down. Start off with your cow sounds again. And if he bugles or he answers to those cow sounds, do not change anything that you've been doing He's going to answer that. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to try to do is I'm going to shut up and I'm going to move in a little closer. Start off soft again. Cat, uh, calf sounds. Those calf sounds might sound like this. If you can get a cow to answer, then you know that you've got cows with that bull. Mm-hmm. If you get him to answer... And you don't hear the cows, keep doing what you're doing. You'll bring them in. Especially you, you went from five, six hundred yards, you went to two hundred yards, you hit him with the soft cow uh, calf sounds, he answers. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't go to a bugle right away. Hmm. If he if you moved in a lot closer, like you know, a hundred, hundred and ten yards, mm-hmm. and you hear those cow sounds. Then you might have to challenge him to his own game. 
and it might be just talking to the ladies. Mm-hmm. And all that's going to sound like is a lip ball. It's, just, it's real short. It's a lip ball, boop, and then drop it off. Go ahead. And rip, I'm going to do rip that. Rip one of those for And then I got a yeah, question, I'm, Captain Bowhunter or CPT Bowhunter. I'm assuming okay, that's Captain. Okay, I'm going to rip this one. Listen, is it, so uh, Joe Turner does it best. He, he He's spitting image of it, but all it is is a lip ball, short, Short bugle, and all I'm doing is talking to the ladies. It sounds like this. Leave it alone. After that, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Let's see his response. He might not say nothing, and all you might be listening for is uh, stick snapping. He's coming. He's mad. Mm -hmm. Just... Short, short little bugle, lip ball, drop it off, leave it alone. I'm talking to his ladies, not him. If I know he has caps, right, right. Um, real quick before we get to this next question over here is, if he doesn't have cows, you're just gonna keep with the cow game. I'm gonna keep with the cow game. I'm gonna keep with the cow game. Okay. He was interested. He, I hit him with a bugle. He says, "Man, homie, I'm over here." Right. So then I cut the distance and I started with the calf sounds. Once again. He answers. Stay with the same game. Don't change. Right. Don't change nothing. He answers. All right. Cool. I might sit there for, I don't know, X amount of time. I'm, I'm listening. I'm looking. I'm ready. If he doesn't answer, I might move a little bit. Especially if I'm a solo hunter. If I'm if I'm with a with another partner, then I got my partner sit behind me, and then I'm gonna wave him on, and then we're gonna move a little bit, and then we're gonna set up again, and right. we're gonna do the same thing. We don't change anything, and I'm looking for legs walking through right. the woods. Right. I don't want to change anything because if I introduce another bull, he was already answering. Now he's gonna be like, mm. man, maybe was, he got his. Butt I was too kicked. late. <laughs> Maybe he got his butt kicked. Maybe he got. Maybe he's a smaller satellite bull that right. is just in search. You you never know. But if he's answering with those calls, don't change the game. Right, right. So Captain Bowhunter, I'm going to call it CPT Bowhunter. I'm assuming it's Captain Bowhunter. In late September, would you use more of a cow calf call than a bugle, or uh, or does that does it depend on the situation? So. I think it's a situational thing. I don't think I don't think you go into any situation now that at least in my opinion, um, with a predetermined notion of what you're gonna do. You you gotta kinda like feel the situation, um kinda take a temperature of um, What sure. time of September are we talking about? So he said late September. So late September, late September depends where you're at too. I mean Yeah, it does. It does. It dep- I, I could tell you right now. You, you know, we're going to talk about our like primary states, uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. New Mexico, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho. That's like your your mecca, your mecca of your 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 elk hunting. We still got elk hunting in Washington. We still got elk hunting in, in, Oregon. in Oregon. We still got elk hunting going out in other states. But we talk about the mecca, like the four corners plus Wyoming and Idaho. So. I'm going to tell you right now that 
in my opinion, for Colorado, and I can speak just for Colorado, is it depends on the, the unit that you're hunting. And then it also depends on uh, a couple of different things. Like it's did it the is the rut late or was the rut early? Mm-hmm. Now for uh units that I hunt, sometimes uh that that rut is right around that 10 to you know, September 10th to the 13th is really when it kicks off. But last year, you know, I found out that the rut was late and it kicked off like September 21st. It was like really late, super late for the unit I was hunting. And then it was other people that I was talking to that, man, 10th to the 13th was on fire. Mm -hmm. What I will tell you is this. Based off late September, I'm cow heavy. I'm a cow heavy dude. I still bugle, I still do all my sounds, but I'm cow heavy towards the end of September because of this. Number one, you want to fill your freezer. Mm-hmm. Got to fill your freezer, got to fill the tag, got to fill the freezer. Number two is you have a lot of satellite bulls, and some of these bulls can be, you know, 330, 340 satellite bulls running with a monster bull or something a little bit smaller than him that can kick his butt. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm cow heavy because I'm not always after that herd bull. I'm after a bull. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to fill your tag, you're after a bull. And if he's within your standards, then pull those satellite bulls in. And I promise you, sometimes they are so, they love struck Mm -hmm. late in September, just off cow sounds. So I'm cow heavy late in September versus ripping bugles now early in september week that's a different conversation mm-hmm. i'm I, i'm the new guy on the playground right right um i guess i'm going back to what i was saying for me personally i don't think i don't ever go in saying i'm gonna be heavy this or heavy that at least i don't think i do i may subconsciously do that i just kind of like feel the situation out Feel the situation out. Absolutely. Yeah, that's just me. Whatever situation is different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm talking about in general. Like, this is this is how I'm going to approach it. But if the situation doesn't play like that, then I I I will change in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's like it's like for me, like you know, I thought this. I thought this wrestling match was going to go like this, but this dude is hitting this and this. I've done research and video on this guy with any different sports. I've been watching this dude. I've I've watched him. I know what he's going to do. And then you go in there and he ain't doing that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Elk are going to do what they want to do. Adapt. Adapt. (laughs) Adapt to nature. Um. Okay, I'm gonna hit this. I'm gonna hit this list again since I think we answered all the questions. I th- you know what? There was another question. I think it was from the same guy or some Captain Bowhunter was asking if I think if you prefer to uh, basically truck camp versus spike camp when you're in a draw unit when you're solo hunting. Um, but I I, I would say this: uh, if I was in an OTC unit, mm-hmm. an over the counter unit. I'm going to stay as mobile as possible okay? because we, you might yeah. go ahead. John. No, 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 go, go. I right, said, so we just got a, we just got a question that's uh, right on par with what you're talking about. So, so if right. I was in, if, if I was in a, uh, 
if I was in an over-the-counter unit, I would say this, stay as mobile as possible. Mm -hmm. I've been in some over-the-counter units where I've set base camp and I was hunting an hour away. Mm. And then next thing you know, I'm not going back to camp. Maybe I'm going back to the truck, but I'm not going back to camp. Right. Um, So in an over-the-counter unit, stay as mobile as possible. Keep everything as light as you can. And then you'll be able to pick things up, throw them in the truck without a lot of chaos. And then, boom, go check this area out, set up camp, set up a little cook station on your truck or whatever. And it makes everything easy. But but I will tell you is if you're going to set up a base camp, that's where you spend the night every night. Right. Now, on a, on a draw unit, I know this. I'm setting up a base camp. Because I, I like to be comfortable. Right. I'm not sleeping on the ground if I don't have to. And, and I'm not a backpack hunter. I don't like to go way back and limit myself to that particular unit for X amount of days. Right. So stay as mobile as possible. I had a question today. Not Squirrel moment, right? Mm-hmm. I had a question today from, uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, of course I'm on Instagram right now, but uh, I'm not going to go back and I can't, I can't remember his name. But he said, uh, "Hey, I'm a biggest. I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan. <clears throat> and if you had a you had a advice to somebody that was new to hunting or whatever, and like, what was your turning point? Mm-hmm. I told him. I said, you know, I said, I found out that I was lucky early in the season, and as as I was starting to chase bigger bulls and go after mature bulls." found it it was very hard and sometimes it was hard for me to locate these bulls i covered ground and if you don't cover ground Mm -hmm. especially in those otc units you will be humbled real quick and you'll go home with your tag unfilled you have to cover ground right especially in those otc units in those draw units you might only have 70 hunters in in a big unit and you may only come across one or two hunters throughout the season. So, um, and and for archery, I mean, you you got muzzleloader. Of course, that that may change here soon. But uh, you you only have X amount of hunters in the draw unit, right? So, you know, if they if if you have 70, 70 archery hunters in one unit, and you only have like thirteen muzzleloader hunters, dude, you only got eighty three hunters in the whole unit. For the month of September. So covering ground is, yeah, we always going to cover ground, but uh, we don't have to do the same thing we would do as if we were hunting an OTC unit that has a thousand hunters. Right. Not include, that's archery, not including another 300 muzzleloader hunters. No, I got you. So. I got you. So Barry Jordan asked, um, Something like I said goes along the lines of: Do you go fairly deep in a Colorado OTC unit? And um, I—I I mean, from what I know of what I know of you is you're going to go where you think elk are at. Doesn't matter deep, shallow, yeah. <laughs> medium, doesn't matter. But uh, and that's the way I am too. So I'm going to—I don't—I don't necessarily know, and I don't know Colorado nowhere near as well as you, but. Um, I know elk. I know elk can be along the damn highway, 
and I know elk could be at the very damn top of the mountain. So it's right. It's more about finding the sign and finding the areas that they're going to be in or that you think they're going to be in based on the, what you're what you're finding. Hopefully, you see elk. Um, but I guess as a rule of thumb to answer Barry's question, do you think you have to go deeper in OTC units versus in a draw unit there? No, no, not at all. I'm a, I, I say this, I'm going to say this very kindly. There's a lot of hunters that think you got to go deep. Mm-hmm. Let me give this quick story real quick. And um, I was hunting the OTC unit. And uh, right back then it was OTC units. Now it's not an OTC unit. And, uh, man, I was kicking my butt going in deep three, four, five miles. I was getting in the elk, but I was like, man. And my wife was going to drive up. And I think I might, I might have shared this story with you. My wife was going to drive up and I'm waiting for her at camp. My other buddies have my truck. And uh, I went to a, I went to a local camp that was camped out. And I told them, I said, Hey, you mind driving me down where I got cell service? And there was a town about 20 miles away plus the five that we were already camped at and uh, went down, could not contact my wife. I was, you know, I was kind of panicking because she's never been in this area. She never went out there scout with me. Mm-hmm. She only got a pin drop. And what was funny is Google maps on her phone was not updated mm-hmm. and it led her in the wrong direction. So I told the, I told the, the guy, I forget his name, real good, real good people. I think they were from Pennsylvania and uh, real good people didn't have to do anything, but I did point them in the right direction of smell, you know, the next day. Mm-hmm. And they thanked me the next day. They were like, man, we got into all kind of elk, you know? And I told them, I said, um, I said, just drop me off at the bottom of the road. I said, because at the worst case scenario, I know where my buddies are hunting. Mm-hmm. They got to come through this road. And they haven't been at camp yet, so I know that they're they're going to be here. No cell phone service or nothing. And I waited at the bottom of the hill. I guess it was probably 40 minutes. I had a diaphragm in my mouth. Mm-hmm. In my pocket. Not my mouth. In my pocket. And I'm sitting there bored, and I'm thinking of the worst things possible. I was like, oh, my God. Where is my wife? <laughs> and uh, I threw out a couple of cow sounds. Now, this... This intersection that I was sitting at was off a main road, main road, Mm -hmm. cars going by main road. When it got quiet, I sent out a few cow sounds. And lo and behold, I had two bulls, one left and one right, bugle, right, within a mile off the road. I was like, holy smokes, know what we're going to start tomorrow. You know, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, here they are. But I could I could only think about what was going on with my wife. And I wasn't really thinking about that. Right. But as I reeled myself back and I started thinking about the whole season, I was like, wow, those bulls were right off the road. They probably wasn't even a mile. As a, as a crow flies, they probably was 500 yards. Hmm. But as we had to walk, it'd probably be a mile. Yeah. And they were just on the other side of the intersection which was the same unit. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, you know, if you think you got to go back too far, you, you're sadly mistaken sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes check those areas that are least checked. Mm-hmm. They get pressured and they'll go back to the roads. I mean, th- think about this. Think about this. The deer, the deer get hit because they get pressured or they think the grass is greener on the other side of the road. <laughs> so they get closer to the road. And I don't know why they do that. I, I but, know why they do that. But why deer eat closer. On, why animals feed on let the side t- of the road? Let me tell you, I think it's minerals. It's minerals. The water catches on the on the on the yep. roads and spills off, so that vegetation there gets more water than just anything yep. else. Yep. It is. Yeah, that's why. So they so they, they gravitate to the roads, and so so everybody's like the deer thinks the grass is greener on the other side of the road. It might be just because mineral water and all this yeah. other stuff that plays in factor. The the elk are no different. They're yep. deer species. Come right. on. Yep. So. When they get pressured, they'll head towards those roads in those least pressured areas that everybody kind of drives away from. Yeah. Hopefully that answers it. But don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great, great hunting back country. Oh yeah. But Pat and Pete, Pat and Pete, left and right, gonna have to get it. Right. Exactly. So um, we had another question come in that I I don't feel like I am. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uniquely equipped to answer this question because I'm not a backcountry hunter. I have backcountry hunted my whole life, but you know, I do it sparingly. Uh, it was more of a gear question. Um, best backcountry tent and water system. But Ooh, that was you got a lot of great companies li- yeah, out there. Lively floor, I think. I'm saying that right ask that question i don't i'm i don't know there's so much stuff out there i i say for me look at the mountaineering stuff because those guys have been doing it forever the missus just joined hello babe (laughs) um yeah i don't so back backpack tents is what they look for yeah backpack tent and water system uh, water system. Uh, I'm gonna tell you what I rock. I, if you want to store water for uh, a good amount of time, mm-hmm. I'm not the guy to talk to. What I what I run is I run a life straw system that's in my uh, Nalgene bottle, Nalgene bottle, mm-hmm. so I can scoop and go. So I got 32 ounces. I can scoop and go, and I'm always like. Like I said this before, you're always going to stay into to that those drainages that have water, mm-hmm. food, and ladies. And nine times out of ten, I'm going to run into some stream or seep mm-hmm. that has water. So I scoop and go. So I run a life straw system with a 32-ounce bottle. Now, if I can keep hydrated throughout the day, I'll scoop and go. And as I'm if if I'm going to stay on a backpack system mm-hmm. that I've already hydrated so much that if I scoop and go when I'm back, going back to the tent and I'm pretty close to, you know, water in the first place, let's go back. Number one, I'm camping close to water. Mm-hmm. So when I scoop and go, I got another 32 ounces back at, back at camp. And 
so storing water for a long period of time, mm-hmm. I I'm not very knowledgeable about that. I don't mess with those systems mm-hmm. because I'm always on the go and I'm always on the move. Same. Now for tents, for tents, there's so many great companies out there. Kafari makes some great uh, shelters. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoot, man, there's so many out there that's light lightweight that you could throw into to your backpack mm-hmm. and uh get back out there but um i'm not i'm not that guy that goes out there and and bivvies for x amount of days because that means i'm trapped to that area and and it, i i just don't like to play that game same same that and i just don't like not having creature company no <laughs> creature no. creatures conference no and i don't like sleeping on the ground yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll sleep on the cot all day long, but I'm not sleeping on the, the yeah. ground. <laughs> it hurts. You get hey, you get one day with me. Yeah. One day and I'm hurting the next day. I'm like, nope. That's it. <laughs> um <laughs> exactly. I, I'm gonna go back to the uh to the list that we got emailed to us or DM to us. Um let's do it. Let's see. What was this? Okay. When calling to an elk that you believe is bedded. It's that time of day. Sounds like you're making bed bugles. What is your approach? What do you, what are you doing? You got a bedded bull. What's your what's your approach to that? So most of the time, most of the time, those bedded bulls, it, it, it can vary. You can have bulls bedded at, you know, 8 o'clock. Mm. But we're going to talk about like midday, like, Oh, Everybody classic, talks about like midday. Yeah, classic, classic mid, midday, yeah. midday madness. Like they're in the woods, they ripped off a bugle and they heard, they heard this. And it is not gonna be loud. It's not gonna be loud. If you're within a bedded bull, it's gonna sound something like this. Real soft, nothing crazy. He's not going to go nuts. Mm-hmm. He might let off a little location bugle, but it ain't going to be much. It's like, dang, I heard it. At that point, when you hear that and you know that direction, you know that direction. Mm-hmm. Shut up. I know, man, that sounds like a bull, bedded bull. I'm going to sneak in as close as I can. So if I thought he, you know, when you're in the woods, it's a lot different. You might think, you know, 500 yards, but he might be only 300 yards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneak in close, and I'm just going to hit him with itty. Like, I might be quiet. Itty bitty calf sounds. This is, I got a, I got a video. I haven't, uh, I dropped it on, I think I dropped it on my, uh, my Instagram. I had a buddy that I was w- hunting with. Mm-hmm. And this bull, we chased his bull, chased his bull. bull, He he didn't want anything to do with another bull. He didn't have any cows. He just kept moving. And I knew that he was heading to his bedding grounds. And he shut up. And I told my buddy, I said, film this. I said, watch. And all I did was I moved in and I made calf sounds. We listened, 
and that bull fucking erupted. Mm. <laughs> Not crazy. Right. Not crazy. But guttural. He's just telling you. I'm over here, ladies. I'm I'm not moving. I'm done for the day. I'm done for the for the for the for the morning. And he was bedded down. And we snuck in and lo and behold, I think he seen our feet before we seen him. Mm. And then he busted out. But he was at that point. And if if you're in the woods long enough, you'll know that bulls, when they get ready to, to bed down. They'll stand in one location for a minute. They just stand there, mm-hmm. looking, observing, making right. sure everything's safe before they bed down. Mm-hmm. And they'll stand there. And then they'll bed down. It takes a while. They'll sit there and look and stand in one location. You're like, what's wrong with this dude? Lo and behold, he's getting ready to bed down. He's just making sure everything's safe around him. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, che- he's checking wind. He's doing everything he can before he beds down. He's like, this is a good location. I love this area. Before I bed down, I'm going to make sure everything's safe. It's just like we do at our house. We, All right, babe, lock the doors, mm-hmm. check everything, right? Right, right. Boom. We locking everything down. We're checking everything. Everything's safe. All right, now it's time to go to bed. Same thing those bulls do. They'll stand there for a while before they bed down. That's what happened in that story. Mm-hmm. He was at the point where he was getting ready to bed down. The storm's getting ready to come. Hmm. And um, he was at the point that he was getting ready to bed down, and he saw us moving in. When we probably should have sat still, let him bed down, and then sneak in and not say anything else. So if you hear him and he's really close, don't say anything. Move in that direction and try to be as silent as possible. That's that stalk, that spot and stalk. Mm -hmm. You didn't see them, but at least you're kind of moving in that same direction and you're looking in every direction. But give it some time. Let them bed down. It might be 30, 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then start moving in that direction. And you, You might find that he's already bedded down. And his head might not even be in your direction. And if his head is in your direction, halt, stop. Yeah. It's time to change. It's time to change scenario. I think for me, um, in that particular situation, I, I handle it almost exactly the same as you. But here, th- this is what I'm going to add to what you said. First, I want to know: Did that bed bugle come from a response because he was responding to me bugling, or did you just happen to be hiking and all of a sudden he piped off a bed bugle? If he piped off a bed bugle on his own without me saying anything, I ain't going to say a damn freaking thing. Nope. I'm just going to go in that direction. And once I feel like I've cut the distance enough, I'm just going to sit down and wait. It might take an hour, Mm -hmm. but eventually he's going to let out that same bed bugle again. It's been my experience that that's what happens. It might take forever. And And for me, I'm the most impatient person in the whole world. And you know that. But um, he's gonna do it. I'm gonna. I'm the guy that wa- I. I wanna. I wanna throw something at him. I wanna bugle. I wanna cow call. I wanna do something. But normally, I'm just gonna wait. Um, but if he did respond to something I did, I'm typically gonna stay with. I don't know. It all depends on what he responded to. But um, 
I like I like I like the calf thing because it's uh not intrusive. It's not, it's not a right. it's not offensive to him in any way, shape, or yep. form. So yep. um so, a, so so John, you know, I, I I've done I've I've ran into these scenarios before where I was like, Wow, what should I do? And I've learned over years that what is the most the the most sound that you hear in the woods that doesn't sound aggressive but sounds entertaining and friendly like mm-hmm. it's those scares. yeah because who doesn't love babies right <laughs> who love who don't love babies right even exactly. if even if you don't have babies oh yeah. I hold the baby I can pass it back to the parent right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know I'm getting tired of the baby. I could get pass right. the baby back to right. the parents. Like, so. you're always going to love the babies. So when you hear that calf sound, mm-hmm. even that mature bull, he's going to be like, come on over here and cuddle with daddy. Right, right. <laughs> we we had that situation. Um, I end up, in hindsight, when we could pick it apart, I, th- I think we did when you and I talked about it after our- my, when I hunted with you, but you were calling behind me quite a ways. I think you were probably with a hundred within a hundred yards, but it seemed like you were pretty far from me. And we were trying to call this big bull across an open meadow and into the tree line mm-hmm. where I was at, which is like literally mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do because yes. he can see, right? And he wants to if he can see. He's gonna. He feels like he wants to be able to know what's going, what he's what he's going to, what calls you know whatever's calling to him. He should be able to see. Well, every time he turned around and started walking away, I would hit. I would cow. I would calf call, and he would turn around and he'd come half the distance, and he would come and he would peer down mm-hmm. into that, and he wouldn't come, and the, then I then that cow came from across. The, I don't even know where the hell she came from, the other side of the of the meadow and she came all the way pretty much. I mean, she was 35 yards from me. Um, but the calf sound works obviously, but I was trying to, to cheat it a little bit because I knew that he was going to be able to see into that. And with you making all the ruckus and being a whole herd behind me that far behind me, I was hoping that that was enough to fool him to come in closer. But he never he never broke up. I think he was at the closest I had him. at was ninety yards, I think. But um, he would stay between ninety and one hundred fifteen, one hundred thirty, but just kept going back and forth, back and forth. But anyway, uh, we just got to understanding the understanding the scenario, hmm. understanding the scenario, play it out. The the least aggressive sounds is what you want to go with, mm-hmm. and then if you have to wait, wait those. Wait those bedded bulls out. Wait them out. Yeah. Sometimes that's, man, big mature bulls get killed like that. Right. Absolutely. Uh, we we know, got a couple I don't of. Use What's that? No, I, I see. I, I'm looking at the screen. I say, Clarence, I don't use decoys. Yeah, I don't either. I can't remember the last time I used decoy. Well, I could tell you the last time I used one. Um, I, I, I use them. See, I use them for deer hunting a lot. Uh, oh man, deer hunting is amazing. Especially in open areas, deer hunting and antelope hunting. But for elk, 
I don't typically hunt open, wide open stuff. And if I did, I might use it just to have, I might carry it with me. But the last time I had used a, a decoy was for elk was 2014 here. Um, I ended up wounding a bull. I got, Did I tell you this? I got two decoys. I got two decoys done, yeah. and they still sitting in the totes. <laughs> I just. Oh, I, I, I had I had a Montana decoy. I had it hanging in the tree behind me, and I'm calling. Um, I got this rise. Perfect situation. Got this rise between me and the elk, and he's bugling on the other side of the rise, and I'm cow calling, and. Here he comes. He's coming over the rise, coming to me. And I was at full draw. I had him at 30 yards, and he's giving me a head-on shot. So I was like, all right, let me. he's coming. Let me just wait till he gets to 20, and I'll pop him in the chest. And right as I was about to squeeze it off, the wind blew, and that Montana decoy did one of these in the trees, and he freaked out, spun around, and ran, and ran the other way right as I shot. And so he spun around 180, and I my arrow hit him in the literally in the ass like that. I was aiming oh, for his man. chest, and I hit him in the ass. And um, I ended up catching back up with him two the next two days in a row, and he was out there bugling, chasing freaking cows and shit. So after That's shooting, nuts. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not a big fan. So of it. I I, 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 I don't carry him unless I unless it's a situation like if I'm in open sage country or something like that. You know, or I might even do like a stalker with a bow mounted one, you know, just where you know, if, if I know. need to buy myself time with something, I would, I, I might, I might use it. Um, I did carry, yeah, I, I, I carry it with me when I, when I do guide, I carry it with me, but we don't break it out that often. Almost never. I think, uh, I, I, I haven't heard it Tule Oak, mm-hmm. but I know that country mm-hmm. and I think. That might be a scenario where you might want to carry a decoy, right? And a food that elk, because you know those those elk are in the open, right? Those elk are, so you know those don't get food by those mountains because there's not a lot of trees out there. So uh, I think if you can fool that elk in the open like that, and you're set up in a different situation yeah. where he's coming to look at the decoy, that might work. But for me, no. I, I got two of them and I only use them. Yeah. We got uh Bailey Benz asked if you only had one week to hunt in Colorado, what week would you choose? Hmm. Oh, we got some hail going on. So um hopefully not nothing. Nothing big enough to mess up the truck. <laughs> oh, I think he's gonna mess up the truck, but it might mess up the car. Luckily, Serena's car is in the garage because I cleaned it up today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if I had one week to hunt in Colorado, what would it be? Hmm. I I would choose. I'm not looking at the calendar, guys. I don't know, but I would choose the 15th through the 25th. 15th through the 25th. Mm-hmm. It, it's usually magic around the 15th to 25th. When did you come out, John? You came out 15th to the 25th. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. No, I think I came out Something the like 17th because I remember it was my, my, it was, I left yeah, the day of my mom's was, birthday. My mom's birthday is the 17th. Oh, man. You didn't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would choose the 15th to the 25th 
And the reason reason being is because even if like what we had last year, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry if, if you guys are having a hard time hearing me, it's starting to heal at the house. Um, if even if like you have a bad window at the very beginning, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a good window at the very end, right. which was the case for me and John. It was a good window at the very end. Oh, it yeah, just so happened that right at the end, it was it it was at the end of his window. And uh, I just wish he had a couple more days because absolutely yeah. John would have tagged out. If I didn't have the moose hunt in Montana, I would have stayed. I would have yep. stayed. It would yeah. it would have happened for sure. Oh yeah, I, um, it almost happened. You know, twice that last morning. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's getting. I can hear it pretty good. It's it's pretty loud. Can you hear it? Yeah, it's not terrible, but it's uh, but you could definitely hear it happening back there. It's getting after it. Yeah, hell yeah. Hey, welcome to Colorado. This is what we get. Even in September, for guys that are listening, mm-hmm. we get hell. We yep. get hell. Yeah. Well, what was it? Two years ago, uh, I was in Idaho, and we got like white out, crazy blizzards and. I might might have to go in the house so y'all can hear me. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm listening, though. No, but uh, just to kind of further take that while you're kind of moving to a little bit of a better situation, farther take that that answer you gave. Um, I personally like. Depends on it. Depends on where I'm hunting. So Colorado, I obviously don't have as much experience in Colorado, so I couldn't tell you, but. I do uh, hunt out of state a lot. Like I go to different destination places to hunt elk and, and everything a lot. And I kind of look at it this way. If it's a hot place, like if we're going to get a lot of hot, dry weather, I try to avoid the moon. Full moons and hot weather do not mix because the rutting activity will happen mostly at night. And you'll only have um, activity really early in the morning and, and right before dark. So not that it doesn't shut the rut down. The rut happens. It just happens when you're not allowed to hunt. So I always try to keep that in mind. Um, we just got uh, another question. Barry Jordan, again, we're going to send this guy a T-shirt or something. He's got, a, he's got more questions keeping this podcast going. Are, are there specific elevations you'll have found elk? Um, I would, I don't know, honestly, because be honest with you here in Arizona specifically, like from a guiding standpoint, we find elk from 4,000 feet all the way up to 10, 10, 11,000 feet. Um, and it doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to that as far as, um, you know, they're just following where the, where the things that they need are. So if there's food, if there's uh, thermal cover, there's water, there's, uh, you know, edge habitat, then yes. Um, but I don't think I don't think you could say, "Oh yeah, go look for elk at this elevation, and you're going to go there and find elk." Well, I don't know. Do you, I don't. Did you see well, we, when we were hunting? When I hunted with you, or I mean, shit, we were at 
I don't want to say names, but when we were at the top of the peak, we were in Elk and we were at the very damn top. And then we also found them at the base of the mountain. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily a thing. I would say this to, to, to the listeners and viewers, listen, each unit is different. You know, Arizona's like 4,000 feet elevation. Mm-hmm. You're going to find elk in those elevations. Uh, Colorado, it could be 12, 12, 5. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can find them up in that elevation. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Cows, water, food. Yeah. You find those three, you find, elk, uh, find bulls. Yeah. And for us... You know, last year we'd find them down at nine thousand feet, and then we'd go up to twelve thousand feet, mm-hmm. and we'd find them up there. So, um, there's no rhyme or reason to where they're gonna be, but other than those three that I give you, right. it's food, water, and 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 more so, more so water in 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 the cows, right? Because the bulls, man, they'll go and they won't eat for days, and you're like, he looks anorexic, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. so. For the most, for the most part, it's water in in cows, but don't don't underestimate. Hey, babe, did you check that window in the? Sorry. <laughs> hey, Jasmine, check that window in our room. Yeah, we got hail, we got rain. I, I didn't think it was gonna rain today, but it did. But yeah. back to what we're saying, the water in the cows is your main thing. So if you got those, you got the bulls. And I'm I'm telling you they're gonna be there, um, and you just got to cover ground in, in, throughout that water source and that those cows. If you find the cows, you're gonna find the bulls. And if the cows are around, it's because there's water and food. Right. That's that's it. Right. So we just got another. There's no rhyme or reason of what altitude they might be at. We just got another question thrown at us here from uh, Clarence Clarence Maximum. Um, his question is, is it, if it's raining really hard for a few days in a row, what's your approach? What approach do you take? Well, it's raining so hard here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, Hey man, we're going to hang this up for a little while. We're going to chill out. So this rain clears out. Honestly, man, think of it like humanize it, humanize it. Mm-hmm. They're going to lay down. Not all the time. We're talking about like hard rain, like I'm getting right now. It's like insane. Right. Hard rain and hail. They're going to lay down in shelter. Right. If it's sprinkling, Mm -hmm. then they're still going to be going. But if it's raining, who who wants to be in that stuff? Mm. Not even those those animals want to be in that stuff. They'll shelter down, they'll bed down, Mm -hmm. and then, well, they'll quit. But it, you're you're talking about raining for, for multiple days. Listen, depending on how the rain is, mm-hmm. is the rain hard? Is it heavy? Is it light? You have to judge that too as a human. Like, would I go out in this? If you go out in it, then they'll go out in it. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do is humanize it. Well, I'm a crazy son of a bitch, and and I look at things differently because I'm unless I'm hunting here in Arizona and even here. Uh, if I grow, if I draw an elk tag, it's it's only a two week tag, so right. I got a very limited time to hunt, and so I this this happened to me in Oregon. Hell, all all the last three times I went there, it was raining hard or raining. I 
throughout the whole day, windy, whatever. And I just, I just did it. I went anyway. Um, but I think what he wants to know is if, what, what, what approach do you take? Not whether you're going to go or not. And I think one of the things when it's raining, uh, your bugles aren't going to carry far. They can't hear you as well. So it's, for me, it's more about covering as much ground as you can and thinking of, thinking of them as large deer and using, you know, yeah. your binos where you can, uh, and just being like still hunting, you know, kind of walking through, covering, looking through the trees. But if you don't have that situation, if you're in this like super thick country and whatever, then do what you said with right. the trucks, you know, hopefully you got right. enough roads. Right. Go to a point, right. point to point, get out, bugle. You get some answer back, then you then you go after them. Um, as far as snow is concerned, because he asked the same question for snow, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, I think weather, he asked, does the weather fire the bulls up? I mean, for me, uh, yeah, colder weather necessarily doesn't fire them up. The rut is the rut. However intense the rut is, is however intense the rut is. But what changes with weather and what changes with cold is daytime activity. They're going to be up longer. They're going to be moving more. They're going to be their cows are going to be feeding more and longer. So your opportunity to get a bull to answer back or get a bull to do what you want it to do is going to be higher. Yes, when it's colder, when there's inclement weather, so on and so forth. So, I, I, so, so, John, so, John, I, I, I've been out, you know, of course we got like, like crazy, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in this stuff right now. Hold on. Actually, let me yeah. see if I can do this. Let me see if I can do this. So I can show the viewers. Yeah, that looks pretty deep. Looks like Arizona monsoon weather. Yeah, we, yeah, we, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got, we got, we got some stuff going on. We got, we got about three more questions you, come in. What, what I will tell you is this: is I've, I've hunted units where it's rained two, three days, nonstop. Mm -hmm. Not like this, but yeah, g good and downpour, right? And it, 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 it hinders everything that you're going to do. You can get some things done at camp, whether you have a base camp or whatever. Um, if you're in the back country, it's going to suck like hell. I ain't going to lie. It's going to suck. But what I will tell you is they're going to hunker down. Those animals are going to hunker down. Mm -hmm. They're going to do just like humans would do. They're going to hunker down. They can feed when they can feed right around where they're bedding, but they're going to hunker down. And then afterwards, it's chaos. Mm -hmm. It is chaos. If you or in where those elk are, it's going to be chaos. Yep. And a lot of times I found it where you, you hunker down, they hunker down, you know where they are, and then you went right back in there, and then those elk are like, it's party time. Right. And they go nuts. They absolutely go nuts. So yep. that's just, you know, just caviar what you're talking about. Let's, uh, let me try to knock these out because these seem these are like quick questions here uh bailey benz asks what's your preference on a diaphragm call i already know the answer to that but go ahead <laughs> what's my answer to a diaphragm call no what what's your preference what's your favorite diaphragm call oh 
Phelps. Phelps game calls. Yeah. All day long. I know. I, I'm a Phelps guy too. See? There you go. Yeah. Phelps all day long. What what uh which colors do you use? I I'm a I use the black with the red um for my cow sounds and I use the gray for my bugle stuff. That's my... I absolutely love the black one for my cow sounds. It's money. Mm-hmm. Uh we have I'm working on a prototype that I won't I won't show. I won't show. Yeah. And it's uh it's a prototype that we we're working on. Uh getting ready to do a uh filmed hunt up in uh Idaho mm-hmm. with uh three world champs, actually four now. And uh we're gonna go up there and we're gonna do some uh some elk hunting and we we're gonna we have a prototype that's coming out and it's called, it's going to be, I don't know the all American series, the all American, whatever it might be, but, mm-hmm. um, it's tailored to us. And, um, and all of us have, uh, like different taste and it's really close to each other, but not super close where it interferes with each other mm-hmm. because all of us blow different types, but, what I will tell you is uh, my favorite from um, the Phelps line was the white amp. And, um, that's what, of course. That's what Pat just said still, and Clarence just said. White yeah, amp, baby. It's the white, it's the white <laughs> amp. And I, I love that white amp. And uh, I've learned to master that call. But I will tell you my second my second best call uh, is the Maverick by Dirt Durham. And... Uh, and uh, I, I know once I break in his calls, mm-hmm. his calls are super sweet. I can make cow sounds, calf sounds. What I want to, what I w- really want to focus on is like a, a diaphragm that I could make all these sounds with. Mm-hmm. And it, when you can do that with one diaphragm, mm-hmm. then that's the diaphragm that you need to stick with. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I run three, but... The gray and the black, I could do cow and, and bull sounds, and I could even do calf sounds with the black. I can't do calf sounds on that gray one. But for I use this white mini, uh, the white mini amp for my calf sound stuff. and Or the orange. I like the orange one, too. That's what I was using when I was with you, the orange. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, all right. So next, no, uh, it, let's see. Orange is perfect. What type of? Okay, uh, we got like... I'm trying to see what's going to be. Uh, white. What type of call? What type of call and aggression would you take to locate an elk at night? It's just simple as a location view. Yeah. I, don't I, get crazy. You don't. I don't. I was say. I don't think at, at nighttime. I don't. I, I just time? want to get out there. I just want my. I want it to carry. Um, yep. Don't don't get crazy. Yeah. Just. Location bugle. Sounds like this, guys. Drop it off. Leave it alone. Nice. Um, Trout, That's all and, you want to do. Trout Wrangler asked, what's your approach to setting up cameras? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't run cameras anymore. I haven't run them for a long time. No, nope, you not, don't. And we're not allowed to in Arizona now anyway, so. <laughs> okay. Um. So I just set up some cameras just recently. And, uh, you know, of course, I I run stealth cameras because I, I really feel like they give me the best. 
for the, for the price. Um, but I, I try to set up some of those cameras where if I have signal, I run those cell signals. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is I want to set them up on corridors where those elk are, are running, not running through there. They have a beat down trail. Mm -hmm. And all I'm really doing is is I'm taking inventory. Everybody's like, set up your trail cameras, and we want to get massive bulls. All my trail cameras are set up for for cows, mm -hmm. not even for bulls. I want to know where the cows are, so I set it up. And you know, if that elevation is twelve thousand feet, then maybe I set that those cameras up at ten thousand feet because I want to get pictures of those cows. Now, occasionally, I will get pictures of bulls at that range because there's water down there mm -hmm. and they got to go down in water. But I won't get a bunch of pictures of bulls until I set those cameras up at maybe 12,000 feet. So, yeah. you know, uh, for each for each person, it's different. For me, I'm looking like beat-down trails. I'm looking like, yo, they're going through here. I'm looking at Prescott. I'm like, yeah, they're coming through here. Let's set up a camera. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, I've experienced here recently um, is I'm looking at where my camera's angled. Is my camera angled where this, there's a new, we, we're having a problem with this is why I'm saying this. <laughs> is there a new Aspen out about 30 yards mm. that's waving, that's doing <laughs> that's this? triggering the camera off. That's triggering getting, the camera. Getting 10,000 pictures of leaves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like... Oh my God! I made those. You know, I wouldn't. Made those I wouldn't problems, look at that. those mistakes. I was early just on looking at like the cord, the corridor of where they were, but I wasn't looking at where my camera was. And this, this mm. Aspen, this little bit Aspen's triggering off pictures. So, um, and as we speak, more pictures are coming through because there's wind up there in the mountains. I'm like, right. Jesus Christ! But I'm looking at like the corridor of where they are and. Are they walking through here? Is it fresh cat? And I got a few cameras set up that are, are doing amazing. And then I got a few that you got them waving aspens. You're like, yep. pay attention to, to the window of where that camera's going. And then maybe whack down those leaves. I mean, those tree, little trees. And then in a few days, you'll get pictures. But um, no, I, I just pay attention to the corridor of where those elk might come in and stuff like that. Right. Um, and I don't set up a lot of cameras every year. Like this year we set up some cameras, but last year we didn't set up any cameras. Maybe I should have, but it was okay. You know, I knew we had an area, right. but right. I, I promise you like cameras could help you scout without having to be in the woods, sure. especially those cell cameras. If you have service in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love, I love cameras. I just, I got to the point where I hunt where I hunt and I'm not going to go set up trail cameras outside. You know, I actually, we still run some in South Dakota on my leases out there for, for deer hunting, but I don't really run them here anymore. Um, you're, you, the way you answer that question led perfectly into this next question. Barry Jordan asked, um, because you said exactly, you pretty much answered it. Uh, what are some of the top things you look for when you're scouting, uh, the end of summer into fall? And it's cows. You're looking for cows. Like you want to know cows. where the ladies are at because eventually the boys are going to come and check those ladies. 
if you're holding right. the rut. Everybody, every, everybody wants to see this massive bull on on camera. Yeah, that's great, but uh, I want to see where the ladies are. Right. And if I can see where the ladies are, then I, I know yeah. where to concentrate my hunting is. I used to run cameras, and I would find all these big bulls and velvet. And, Me too. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd go in there, and those those up were never there. Um, the same thing with deer. I used to do the same thing with deer all the time. Um, matter of fact... TRD second gen asked again asked a question. Are we allowed to ask a question about deer? Yeah, go ahead, man. Well, I we can feel that. No problem. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I I would run unless you're hunting early season. Okay, for this is deer I'm talking about. Unless you were hunting early season for deer, like in velvet, where you knew you were going to be hunting them in velvet. Then running cameras where bucks were at are were useless because if you were going to be, go there in the rut, those deer were not going to be there. So you, had, you, you, you always and I learned that early on. I mean, probably thirty years ago, you when trail cameras first really started getting on them when you had to develop film on them, <laughs> you know. But uh, we we would uh, we would run cameras. We'd find all these elk and and then they wouldn't be in there or even deer we wouldn't they wouldn't be in there when we went to go hunt a rut so we started looking for i started applying white, my whitetail tactics actually which was find a doze and then go hunt during the during the rut and then the the boys would be there and that works everywhere so um just got another question wyoming backcountry bow hunter i drew unit 43 in colorado second season any help would be appreciated that is all you brought. 43, 43 <laughs> second season. Ooh. Turn your tag back in. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Turn your tag back in. Ooh, that's going to be tough, man. Um, what I don't a- have any experience with 43. I have, a, I have experience with, uh, which probably borders. I, I, I'm not looking at the map, so I don't know. Um, Actually, hold on. I'll tell you right now. I got a map. Just, oh, my. Oh, the wife covered it up. Baby, uh, you covered up my map. When you're looking for that, I'm uh, going to take this next question over here. 40, looking for that. So I've got a unit 27 go, New Mexico. It's got a unit 27 New Mexico coos tag. I have to wait until the Ooh. last two weeks of January. I went out two weekends ago, found bucks. I heard whitetail kind of stay in the same area. And it's very dry out there. So whitetail will stay in the same area the whole year until the rut happens. And in January, the rut is full swing. And those bucks could be there. And desert deer are way different than anywhere else. Um, desert deer are going to hang out because they're, cause they're tied to water. And they're tied to feed. They have to, have to, have to have the, have those things. But if they get a whiff of a doe, they're they could travel four miles. So my my suggestion to you is exactly what we're talking about now. Go out there. Don't look for. I mean, you can look for bucks because they're going to kind of be relatively in similar areas as the as the does. But find big concentrations of does. Guarantee the bucks will be there for the New Mexico hunt. Okay. Um, 
Okay, you, you're you're ready well, to answer the 43, well, 47, 40? Uh, 40, 43, I don't have a lot of experience in 43. I do have some experience in 45, 44, 444. Um, I think 43 is connected to them. I think 43 is way better than the units that I did hunt. Um, I will tell you is some of that country is steep and deep. It's steep and deep. It's some rough country. Um, if if I'm looking at the map world, uh, right, um, I didn't see 43 because I, my wife covered my stuff up, but um, 43 is not too far from Vail, and that's all like ski country, and that's, that's deep country. It's super, super deep country. So what I will tell you is this, is don't spend a lot of time in one area. You're going to have to cover a lot of ground. Um and I wouldn't base camp outside of my truck. I'd move locations and then cover some terrain. Um, but absolutely, there's elk out there. There's elk out there, for sure. Cool. Um, Captain Bowhunter asked, do you like using a cow party call, and can you show us one? A cow party call. Listen, I... For me, for me, it's maybe I'm behind the questions. But, uh, for me, mm -hmm. it's all about cow and calf communications. So I'm going to explain this. Listen, for some of you, some of you viewers that don't use diaphragms, because there's a lot of viewers that don't use diaphragms. Try mm -hmm. to get my camera right. These open reads are money. That's what I pretty much cut my teeth on. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially when I was trying to get these, it has a little bit of a raspy sound to it. And if you listen to some of those cows, that's how they sound. And what I want to do is I want to mimic some of these cow and calf sounds. Now, as I advanced my, my calls, I, I threw in the diaphragms with the cow sounds, right? So I might throw an open read call. It might sound like this, mature, mature cow. I'm just checking where you are. And then I might throw my calf sound in with, with a diaphragm. And then I mix those two up. So then that I'll keep that diaphragm in my mouth and I'll do a cow and a calf sound together followed up with a calf sound and I'm it's cow and calf communication now, as we talk about, like, some of the party stuff, like, they can get insane. Mm -hmm. I might be, you know, back in the day, I had a lanyard back in my neck, and I was like, but the truth be told is, unless you're in, like, a herd that is going nuts, you don't have to do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Just keep it simple. Cow and calf communication, keep it together. And you can do the calf with some of the minis from 
from Phelps, and it sounds like this. Follow it up with a mature cow. Just talking to each other. Right. And if you if you know how to master diaphragms, just go master diaphragm with it. Just you can do the diaphragm with a uh, mature cow sound. Followed up with a mini. And anything that's going to get them aroused, like roused up to, to the point where they're going to call. And, um, but outside of that, I really don't try to get in like, the, like the party scenario, unless I'm like in a mix of herd. Mm. My, where I like to use the party uh, scenario two two different places. One, if it's me, oh, this is a good good example actually. So myself, Charles, and my cameraman, we were walking along the side of this ridge and making a considerable amount of noise. And we were just walking, and I told Charles and my cameraman, myself, I said, let's just start cow calling as we're going through here because we sound like a herd of cows. Heard a bull. Heard a heard a heard a cows. Heard a yeah. Whatever. So and sure as shit, we can come around this thing and here lights up a bull and here comes up a, a little spike and two cows start coming up towards us. Um, so that worked worked out really good. But we didn't end up shooting anything, but we we created an opportunity. The only other time I like to do it is when I'm just sitting there and I'm just hanging out in an area. And again, it's me and more than one person that can call. And we're just kind of like resting, whatever. We might start throwing out a cow party, you know, type scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we might get something to pop off. Now, the the only problem with that is you got to pay attention because if you're busy eating or doing other things, you could have a silent bull come up, you know. To, Absolutely. So, you, you know, you don't. Put They're your bow. Don't put your bow twenty yards away. You know, be everybody. You got to be ready to do, to do something if you're going to be calling. Yes. Uh, be ready to do something. I, I think if you you should be ready and actively hunting all the time. <laughs> I I've gotten all caught with the, my proverbial pants down more times than I care to yes. care to say. So, um, I, I, but, many times, yeah. many times, John, many yeah. times. Been caught with my pants down many times. You're like, oh, yeah. smoke says one right there. Yep, exactly. So that's those cold. That, that that's those uh, call uh, cold calling sequences. Yeah, nothing's happening. Right, you're doing something, and mm-hmm. then you're like, man, I'm just gonna sit here and call. Right, and then next thing you know, boom. We and we did that a couple of times. We did a couple of cold calling sequences where we set up and we would. You know, yep. I was here doing a calf sound, and you were doing a cow sound there, and then introduce a bull back here, and had Pat doing this over here, and that, and then we actually had remember Boom. that bull that came up. <laughs> Boom! They right in your lap. You're like, yeah. What the heck? And he stopped, and he stopped right behind a jack pine, and I was a full draw, and I couldn't shoot him, and then he just didn't like what it was ha- going on, and it took happens. off. It yeah, happens so, a lot. But yeah, um, 
Well, I think I'm going to cut it off there, guys. So we, I think we've been going for about an hour and a half. Yeah, an hour and a half. Hold on, hold on. You had one one question. That I uh, the the easy sucker. Oh yeah, that's right. That was one that we got, and I didn't. The, the I easy didn't. sucker. I'm not going to miss this question. Listen. Yeah. This this call is money. It's money for if you can't use like diaphragms or anything. Mm-hmm. It's a built-in diaphragm into the call. I'll try to get the camera right. Yep. Let me let me let me pull off the silicone here. Let me pull off the silicone. It's a little tight, but I want to I want to show you guys. There you go. It's a built-in diaphragm. Let me get the other side. Hmm. And without the tape, and all this is doing, all this is doing is mimicking your mouth. Right. It's directing the air perfectly over the over the yes. diaphragm. Yes. And all you're gonna do is suck in and not blow. Hmm. And I tell you that. One of the easiest calls outside of a hoochie mama is the easy sucker, right? Mm-hmm. And all you're going to do is suck in air. And absolutely, it's not a loud call. And you don't want to be super aggressive sometimes in the woods. And as I spoke before, you know, right here. Money. Mm-hmm. Money. You don't need much, yeah. And if you can, and it has a it has a rasp to it that I like a lot. And if you pay attention to some of those cows and calves, mm-hmm. they have a little bit of a rasp to it, a little buzz, mm-hmm. and a little bit of buzz to them. And it's money in the woods. So, at the worst case scenario, you can't get them to answer. Hit them with an easy sucker. So for the ones that can't use diaphragms, yeah, there's your money right there. Hey, there's your money. you know what? Before we before we let this go, I got I'm gonna got I got this one more question for you that we got sent over that I want you guys to I want you to address. Um, okay. Okay, calling uphill, downhill, or at the same level, which one would you prefer to be at? Oh, I read I read that yeah I read that question. Hey, so listen. Uh, it goes back to like the terrain. It mm. does really, it doesn't really matter. So when I'm locating bulls, I move into where I think they might be. I've been fooled before and I walked right past them. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked uphill, location bugle, they were back there by the truck. What the heck? Yeah. So what I, what I will tell you is it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. What I'm going to do is play the wind in my favor. When I do locate him, I got to move to his terrain, get on his level, and then move into that particular area. I'm not going to sit here and, ooh, he's downhill and the damn, and the wind's blowing right at him. Right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to move into that wind direction, keep that wind in my favor, and try to try to chase him at, at his at his. Right. So hopefully that answers that question. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, always a pleasure talking with you. And uh, 
Thanks, everybody, for who participated and who sent in the questions. Hopefully we got to everybody. I don't know. Uh, I was trying to feel these questions as they were popping up. Some of them came in a little late here that I uh, we might have missed. So um, if you didn't get your question a answered, uh, go ahead and DM me that question. I'll either get it on the next podcast or uh, me and uh, myself or Jermaine will hit you back with uh, with the answer to it. Absolutely. Thanks. Absolutely. Just, yeah, just, uh, just let John know and I'll answer. All right. I'll try my best. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. Um, and check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.